G'day ladies and gentlemen, g'day lady and gentlemen, welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast. I am your host, Troy McCubbin. Welcome uh, to another installment of this crazy Guitar Wank Podcast with Mr. Bruce Foreman and Scotty Henderson. This is number 48 and uh, we're coming down, wow, what, 52 and that's a year, right? We've done a year, that'll be amazing. Um, lots happening Thank you for joining us. Whatever you're doing, we hope you're safe. Life is treating you well. Um, you might be working out on that uh, treadmill. Dexter, keep running, mate. Troy Dexter, check out his CD. It's on um, CD Baby and iTunes. You'll find it. Just Google Troy Dexter. It's an amazing album. You should have it. Uh, we'd like to th- say a big thanks to all our sponsors. Dear Dario, Guitar Strings, Fishman, Triple Play, Jimmy Dunlop, Guitar Picks, My Music, Masterclass, Sennheiser Microphones, thank you guys, Sir Guitars and Amps, Wireworld Pro Audio Cables and Exotic Pedals, thank you guys, RiffmasterPro.com, which I've been using a lot of lately. It's really cool for all those licks that you cannot work out because they're so blistering fast and you must slow them down. Or you have to learn a bunch of tunes for a band and you want to change the key because that singer doesn't in another key and you want to learn them into the new key and... It pitches and it does all that fantastic stuff. So check that out, uh, riffmasterpro.com. Really great stuff to all our sponsors and supporters. We thank you. On to um, a big thanks to the people that have been donating to Guitar Wank Podcasts. The fact that you choose us over any other charity, it amazes me. But I thank you so, so much. It does, it helps, keeps this um, podcast running we run it on the smell of an oily rag and um, it just means so much that you guys really put your money where your mouth is and uh, give us that kind of support. So massive thank you. Oh my God, that's it's just really cool. So um, I should put a clap, more claps in there, but I won't. Um, so big thanks to our donators. If you want to donate, you feel compelled you can go to the website and just click the donation button. I'm staring at it right now. It's right there on the website. Someone told me to make it bigger because they couldn't find it. And as soon as I learn how to do that, I will make it bigger. Perfect segue into if you don't feel like you want to donate and you have the skills of making websites look really, really cool, we would love your help. That would be amazing. Come and make our website better. That would be your gift to to Guitar Wank and to the Guitar Wank audience. So um, just throwing it out there. If you want to uh, contribute or get on the become part of the team, build us a better website. We, we would appreciate that. Uh, if you have any queries, questions or abuse or anything you want to get off your chest, send it to guitarwank at gmail.com. We will answer your questions on air. We actually did have our first... Um, audio question which i thought was cool that was fun so um if you want to record your question we'll just play it on air and um then we get to actually hear the question from the horse's mouth which would be fun so uh you're quite welcome to do that so send it in uh of course you find us on facebook and all those other social media uh outlets that we all waste so much time on um what else do i have to talk about a couple of websites or a couple of things that i've noticed that i thought were really cool that i'd pass on tedgreen.com man i went to ted's site and um 
uh, of course, the people that are maybe his family. I don't know who's keeping it going, but it's it's really really cool. Go there. Ted was besides an amazing guitar player, one of the the teachers in the guitar universe. The guy was just incredible, and it's just full of all these lessons. You can go there and just my God, there's lifetimes and lifetimes worth of information there really amazing so and they they need support as well and i just thought it was pretty amazing what they're doing there with all the ted green stuff so um if you don't know who ted green is go to tedgreen.com and check it out the guy was an amazing teacher and player so thank you ted for all that you did um another really cool um i think it's called a documentary i guess on pbs um other parts of the world I know you maybe Google this, but it's called Sound Breaking, and uh, it's on PBS, and it's a really cool documentary. It's all these different documentaries in a series. I think there's maybe eight or ten of them, I don't know. But anyway, they go through all recording and music, and it's just really badass. Check it out if you get time. Uh, set your DVR to record it. Sound Breaking, really, really cool. Awesome stuff. Um also, the guys and I were talking about NAM 2017 that is coming up around the corner. We were thrown out the idea of going and actually doing some interviews there and just talking to people and just basically being big shit stirrers and having some fun there. Uh, maybe you are, you have a product and you are a retailer and you're going to be there and you want Guitar Wank to come around to your booth and cause trouble. Um, yeah, reach out to us, guitarwank@gmail.com. Because uh, we m- might just come to NAM and just have some fun. I think that'd be kind of cool. And NAM's always a great place to just rip on everyone. It's always fun. Uh, we've got a lot of guests coming in. We've got Steve Lukather, Kenny Arnoff, um, Smitty on drums. We're going to have uh, Travis Carlton that plays with Scott. Um, God, I want to get Holdsworth. There's a ton of people I'm going to really try and get. Vi, I would love to get Steve Vi in. I think he'd be amazing to talk to. We're going to talk, try and get him. Joe Bonamassa, that would be fun. Joe seems like a really cool cat. Uh, maybe we can get Josh Smith in. He's a, a great player and a local cat and a good friend of Bruce's. So there's all these amazing players and people I want to talk to. I want to talk to some gear people. Maybe we can get John Sir. Um, so I want to keep the show interesting and different and upbeat and mix it up all the time. And I know Scott and Bruce are totally down with that, so we will try and do that with you guys. Um, another really cool product that I'm looking at and um, checking out this stuff is rjmmusic.com. rjmmusic.com. Go there and check their stuff out. They make some really cool switches for pedal boards and like being the main brain of your unit i think um pete thorne did a, a demo video on their products and uh great stuff so i'm going to be checking that out i'm getting a new pedal board built and i'm kind of revamping everything i'm using and designing i'm basically wasting more money and time when i should be practicing that's what's basically going on what that's what bruce would tell me anyway so anyway um what else do we have to talk about i think that's it i think i've covered all the bases this is another fantastic guitar wing podcast with mr scotty henderson and bruce foreman uh they kept me up way too late last night we're gonna have one more show no when's christmas what are we at 
think we might have two more shows before Christmas, but we're going to do a Christmas show and try and do something fun and special. I want to try and get a fun guest in that would be just really cool if we have our last show and maybe we should do a video and have a video for our last show. I don't know. I'm just throwing around ideas. If you have an idea for our Christmas show, email us at guitarwankergmail.com. All right, you've had enough of my voice or you've just fast-forward past this shit and got straight to the podcast. It doesn't matter. Um, Thank you for all your support. We will see you all next week. Here is the show. Without further delay, Mr. Scotty Henderson and Mr. Bruce Foreman, thank you guys again for joining us. And... um, uh, music I'm going to play in the background of this episode will be some of Scott's older stuff um, from his older CDs and, of course, some of Bruce's newer stuff. So uh, check that out. You can always get their stuff directly through them or email us at GuitarWank and we'll put you in the right place to get one of their CDs. Thank you for all the support. Shut up, McCubbin. Let's get on with the show. And uh, what do we have in store for the listeners this week? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-oh. Mr. What? Now what? I'm, I'm kind of high. What do you want? I want to... <laughs> You're in a hurry to go somewhere? Or what? Yeah, I want to get this open. No, okay. I'm, um, I just want to start off high energy today. Okay. I want to keep it up. Damn. Fellas. Damn. All right, guys. Chill, How dude. How the fuck are we? Another guitar wink. <laughs> Another guitar wink, man. Another guitar wink. I don't even know what episode. I think it might be 48. This will be? I don't know. It'll be what it is. I'm It'll be too, what it is. We've got Mr. Scotty Henderson all the way from Eagle Rock. Is that where you Yeah, are? just five miles down the street. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the drive. Thanks. Mr. Bruce the Foreman. It took me hours from... to get here. Yeah, it's Los Angeles. Because <laughs> I drive 20, 20 miles an hour. And, that, yeah, and, that, and that's too fast in LA with all the traffic. <laughs> Monty and, and Bruce from, are you officially Monterey? Carmel Valley. Carmel Valley. But, uh, yeah, I, tonight I came over from the Grove. Right, you played a gig at the Grove, you're a rock star there. I'm a rock star there. Woohoo! <laughs> a jazz star. <laughs> I love that. That's cool. Played How right you guys from, been? Yeah, man. Oh, I'm way too hot. Okay. Um, I'm talking about my mic. Uh, that's what all the girls yeah, say. Yeah. Right, it's, it's not that effect. That's that why I, they won't have anything to do with you. Yeah, right? It's not my, it's not my, uh, it's not that, yeah. But uh, how you guys been? Everything's good in the hood? Good. Yeah? Good. What's uh, what's news on the front? I know what Bruce has been up to. We've been talking, but of course the listeners want to hear. Uh, well, if, they're looking, they for, if gonna... they're looking for a cure for an insomnia, I can tell them. <laughs> they probably don't, but they've got no choice. If they're listening, that's their own fault. So yeah, we need to really, give it to them. Yeah. So yeah. um, let's start with Bruce, because we started with Scott last time. Bruce, what have you been up to? Well, I just got back from Canada. Get the, and you know, everybody thought I was just going for asylum, but no, I came back. <laughs> you see, I'm here. And uh, it was, an, even for Canada, unseasonably cold. I was in Banff, which is the uh, Canadian Rockies. It's pretty high up, right next to a bunch of ski are resorts you, you... in a national park where the caribou and the wolves and the bears. And, and the antelope play. Yeah, right. And right. they sure... Uh, they sure 
got to have warm coats because it was like 25 degrees below zero. Wow. And it was, uh, it was really challenging walking around outdoors, you know, even just the short periods I had to. It was an amazing place called Banff Center where they have a lot of artists in residence and everybody works on their projects. It's, a, it's like this creativity center and it's uh, quite amazing. I was there as faculty mentoring artists who were working on projects that, right. it, that, that they were there supported by uh, the government and generous sponsors i mean something we don't ever do but canada has this really cool thing and people can just uh i guess audition for a spot in one of do these you residences have to be canadian i don't know i no, mean it's worth i would imagine it. right I but think, canadians I think it are... helps but no i think there are people from outside too and uh you you get juried and they if they decide your project is worthy you come over there and they give you all the equipment you need to do whatever it is you need to do right and you get like i think five we up to five weeks to just work on your project and food and lodging is all included and then you've got the help of mentors like me if you want to take advantage of it and then i for us i put on a concert with all the musicians that were there and they all performed some songs and we did a thing. It's really a cool scene, and I got a chance to work on sort of my uh, songwriting and wrote about five tunes. So, wow. you know, considering I only was only there about five six days, that's pretty good. That sounds like a killer time. Yeah, it was great. It was great, and I played my resonator the whole time. Didn't even break my L five. So, so suck that Gibson. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. You know, it is. It was. Uh, it's a challenge. I'm still working out how I really want to amplify that thing. You know, I mean, the the pickup sounds great, but it kind of almost sounds like an L5, except for with a lot clearer low end. But the resonators kind of get lost with the electric sounds. So I'm thinking about getting a microphone that I can clip on and blend them together. The pickup and the microphone. That might be cool. You should try running it through a four by twelve Marshall. Stack. Well, I'm thinking of that. I've been getting some pedals. <laughs> I can't climb a fence, baby. No matter what I try to do. And it blends well with the acoustic and normally I don't play so freaking loud that it doesn't matter, you know. But like last night I played a really loud gig and uh, with it and and then I somebody put a clip on YouTube, you know, that, or Facebook or something recording and I heard it and it was like, well that sounds pretty much like an arch top, you know. It's got a little like I say tighter low end. The low notes are clearer. But um, uh, like I say if I can I've got that Bud amp that's got two inputs with phantom power and it really deals well with acoustic, so I could just take a mic 
Yeah. And as long as the mic didn't pick up too much of what was going on around it, I could get my own, like, I could control my own blend, and then if I wanted to send it to a PA, they could just take it direct out, and I could Do be it. totally in control and have my own monitor. Yeah. Not bad. And you had... um you said you were having students come in and they would, you'd be like a counselor or just a... Oh, yeah, in, in Canada, yeah. And there was like, there was about five singer-songwriters. A how, couple many, of, how many cried? Oh, man. Well, they, they, <laughs> they, 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 they were very emotional, let's say. Why are singer-songwriters so emotional? I don't know. There's no crying and, and, in songwriting. And suppose, I would think so, but supposedly <laughs> this place is so is heavy. You know, it's like right. it was, originally the Indians went there to have visions and stuff. So... There's a claim that, that the grounds, you know, and of course I was only there for a week and I wasn't really allowed to get into only my stuff. I was still on the clock and helping people. So right. I never got sucked into that vortex of total immersion into your own stuff. And maybe that kind of makes you a little wiggy. Right. You know what I mean? And and these women were, I think, maybe predisposed to be in that condition anyways and, and so <laughs> i don't really know what you said then but i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> but they were they were really a lot of them were very very talented and very amazing there were some classical pianists that were uh, quite uh, quite amazing yeah and uh, a couple of sound artists, which, which of course, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. These guys do like electronic sound. Right. You, you know, like, what are they going to have to do with a guy that didn't even know how to use a pedal? You know? <laughs> yeah, but maybe they'll, they'll get them out of their box if they. You know, yeah, you. you know, I mean, I did point out some certain elements of composition that could have been, you know, considered, but right. they really. I, you know, I think they were looking at a guy who, I mean, I'm like a caveman to them, you know. <laughs> you know shit. <laughs> I'm a caveman. You, you know. know shit. I'm like, you I'm, know o- I'm over in like the, you know, <laughs> in the Jurassic period banging on rocks. And <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Now I'm glad that it's uh, a balmy 64 degrees outside. Right. It's not yeah. too, not freezing your nuts off up there in yeah okay. yeah man See the rockies scotty what have you been up to nothing <laughs> <laughs> there we go you should have come up to canada with me man <laughs> yeah. nothing at all no nah, not really just doing a couple sessions that's all just you know people hire me to play on their their records and and uh i do it at home right that's it. Just play. So on, play they'll on send you tunes. the track, and yeah. um, they'll say, oh, "Yeah, we want a solo." Do they say, "Can you play over this whole track?" Like, or is it always usually. just a solo? Not, well, it depends. It just depends on the tune. If it's a if it's a tune, if, if it's like an instrumental tune, and and you know they might want me to play the melody, you know, and and but it's usually not. It's usually just play a solo, and that's it. And and. Uh, sometimes they ask me to double apart here and there, just right. whatever. You know, it varies from tune to tune. I don't. I charge more if they make me learn anything hard. You know, with <laughs> some fancy head that's like really lots of notes in it. That's that's more money. Yeah, but usually it's just play a solo. Right. Yeah. And you, do you, do you play it in in the same key as the song, or are you just a solo? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, it could be any solo. Just play a solo. All right, I'm going to play no, a solo. I mean, I just play what fits the tune. You <laughs> right. Know, I was lucky that, that um, the, 
the uh, composer of two of the songs was over at my house. He lives in L.A., so he oh, came okay. over and produced me through the whole thing, which I love because I love being produced. That way I don't have to guess right. what somebody likes or what they don't. You know, So I could just play, and he could say, yeah, that's great, keep that, I really like it. And if he really likes it, even if I don't like it, it doesn't if he matter. likes it, I'm happy. It kind of lets you, know? lets you go to be like, I, I'm just going to give you everything yeah. and you decide yeah. what the hell you Actually, want. Actually, one of the tunes was really, really fun because it needed a lot of effects, sound effects. Mm-hmm. So I got out just about every pedal I have that does wacky shit. Like yep. I have about 10 wacky pedals right. that just do all kinds of weird stuff. What's your favorite and, wacky pedal you oh have? Oh my God, there's so many. Give me like, one. Well, um, the, there's a pedal called WTF, what the fuck? <laughs> That's a really what does that do? it's amazing pedal. Um, it, it, I mean, you, you know, it, it makes noise, but really cool noises. Right. Like, it's kind of like a fuzz, but just, you know, as you mess around with the volume knob on your guitar, the timbre changes drastically. Right. You can dial in different frequencies where the distortion hits. And um, it'll even make these just completely bomb going off sounds and, and bird sounds because oh, wow. the frequency can go from like well below 100 hertz all the way up to like, you know, 20K. So you can just, you know, all these sound effects could be at any register. Right. You know? So it's really an amazing pedal. Then I have this one thing called the Mangler. <laughs> and I have one called arachnophobia <laughs> and that's like sort of a pitch transposer that goes wild right it's like you never quite know what it's going to do you can set it to be just random stuff then it has some of the Zvex pedals like the Uwa oh, and, the, yeah. and, the, yep. and the, the ring modulator the step mod yep. you know that uh, that you can set it to make different rhythms so I tuned in the rhythm of the tune and played a couple notes and got that really it's like an arpeggiator kind of thing yeah right okay and this tune just is a very stark tune and it needed a lot of different sound effects and the the hard part was the arrangement because it's easy to just go in there and put a bunch of weird sounds down but the hard part you know that only took an hour right but it took about three hours to pick the right sound for the right spot right tune like to go in and listen to all the things we put down on on uh, you know on tape on tracks and select which sound is going to be where and how loud it's going to be in the mix. You know, that was, that's, you know, that was a real challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun. I, I love doing stuff like that. That's it's cool. Really, it's really, uh, it's do really you, fun. Do you get sometimes where they're like, nah, nah, Scotty, Scotty, there's a hold back on the out there stuff. I want a pop solo. Do you get that? Yeah, sometimes? sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes yep. if it's a rock tune, they want a rock solo. Right. But but that's kind of what I do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's so, like, so it's it's no like stop playing out there, Scott. Because no, no, I don't. I don't play out if it doesn't fit the tune. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's a if it's a pretty straight ahead rock tune, I keep it inside. Now, if they ask me to play out, I will. Yeah. You know, but yeah. but in fact, one of the tunes was pretty straight ahead rock and roll tune. So I played like as a as Johnny Winter might right approach it. You know, and I'm more of a blues. based yeah yeah Yeah. but um one thing that was really fun is i get to try different sounds on each track and then i can compare different sounds and that helps me when i do my own records because i kind of know what this sounds like and that i remember what i did i write it down right and and uh 
You're yeah. pretty anal with that stuff, right? Like, well, you work, have to be. Yeah, I mean that's to, smart. A lot of people ain't, but you have to be. Yeah, because because if you don't, you'll never get back to where you were, yeah. unless you want to dial it in by ear, which could take forever. Yeah, you know, if you write it down, you can just there it is. There it is. You just set your amp and pedal the way you the way it tells you to, and you're right back where you know it's a starting point yeah. for your next thing. Tell me, you two guys, what would be the ultimate session? Give me, like, sky's limit, dead or alive, the ultimate recording session to get cold on. Bruce, what would be yours? You Just know, curious. You know what I'm going to say. Charlie? Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, Bruce, I got this tune, dude. You know, come over and play on it. And No, I would want to play. I wouldn't want to play on a session, like, with, like, tracks. I'd want okay. to be in the room with in him room. and Thelonious Monk and Roy yep. Haynes or Max Roach. Right. Shit, yeah. I mean, that would be... That yeah. would be the bail and end I, right. I, you know, One of them. Yeah. But that's the one that first came to mind. Yeah. That's cool, Scotty. I honestly don't have... Oh, come on. I really don't. Plant nothing calls you up. I need another guitarist. Nothing I, comes to mind. Nothing no, comes nothing to mind. Like, no. Yeah, like Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page calls, come play with us. Nah, I don't... Or, <laughs> yeah, or, or Richie jo Blackmore's like, dude, my pinky's nah, hurting. I can't pull Joe this What about and Wayne Shorter call you to play on a Wayne Shorter? <laughs> that, thing. come on. Yeah, sure. I on mean, a Red Weather there's Report There's so thing. many more that would just be just as good. I can't pick up one. <laughs> just one that comes to mind. You just one that comes to mind. It's not... You don't have to commit to it. I mean, I did play with Joe Zolinol and Wayne Shorter but on stage, <laughs> right? Not on, in, not in the studio. Well, so you've kind of done that. But, but uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I don't know. Um, Having the Afro again, back doing your funk stuff. Maybe nothing, you and honestly, Rick James. Not one thing comes to mind, honestly. Really? Not one thing. Comes right, maybe to by mind. the end There's of the show. Too many good musicians out there. Like it's like I can't think of you know anything that i'd rather you know i mean i don't i don't think i'd want to do it with another guitar player because yeah you want to be kinda, the guitar player right yeah i don't like to play with other guitar players all that I, much, i'd shit like you know. i'd sure like to be on a session with django reinhardt i'll be honest with you man just to be that a fly be on fun. the wall right yeah i mean and that's why i'm saying bird it's not really just about me it's about hearing them that yeah. it's that i'm talking about yeah. you know yeah. I mean, love to be with miles band you know the band with coltrane and cannonball adderley and Shit in Philly, Joe Jones. Damn, man. You know. I wonder all these cats. If you look back over it, all the the music that we all love and we we listen to and get it, it's part of our life. If you got to back, got to go back and be a part of those sessions. If they had any inkling of the amount of history they were creating at the time, and probably not, right? They, Probably not. That goes for any musician. Though. Yeah, I mean, you Who guys have created history. Who thinks that way? But you're just playing. Yeah, yeah you, you're you just are. Playing, but how amazing that piece of just that that recording and it goes on and like you guys have inspired. Not to them. I'll bet to them they would point out how much what was wrong with it and why right. they hated it. Yeah, and... that's exactly what I was going to say. That's what they would do. Yeah, because they would just say because it's another day in the life for them. They're just going and playing like they do every day. Yeah, just then, think you have to be yeah. that person your whole life. Well, you guys are kind of that. You guys are both anal retentive about your, your play. Well, less Bruce. Like, you're more about press record, I'll play what I play, and I'm down with it. And Scott, you're kind of the opposite. You like to yeah. uh, You like to pick it apart and, and 
and go for well, it in only different ways. Well, it just depends on the situation, you know. If I make a if I make a movie record, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I made I've made live records, so. And you've you know, you you've been able to let that go and just go. This is you, what it is. It's not like you have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is what it is. I mean, a lot of my records are first take records. Yeah. Some of the, a lot of the tribal tech stuff is untouched. It's not punched in. Is there any stuff the, that throughout your career? Well, is there a, <laughs> like is the it, blues records I just sent you? Yeah. No punch-ins there. It's live it's in the just, studio. That's what it is. But that's a, that has a certain vibe to it that is fucking cool. Well, yeah, yeah but that's why you do it. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, it's it's like there. I see validity in both validity in both. Yeah, things. Both things are valid. You like theater. You like movies. Yeah. What's why can't you have both? Yeah, you can. You that's, can. It's a great way to do it. You know, it's like if if I'm in the mood for theater, that's I do gigs. You know. Or you turn the tape recorder on in the studio and just play. Yeah. yeah. Which, which back in the day, uh, you didn't overdub because, I mean, money's flying out the window. You, I mean, I can remember in the Tribal Tech days, the studio cost a fortune. Yeah. And we didn't make any money off those records. Every dime went into the making of the record, into the studio, into the renting the gear, into yep. buying tape. You know, I mean, fuck, it was expensive, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So we never made a penny. We spent every, like, if we got a $20,000 $20, budget, which, of course, isn't much, but every dime of that went into buying the studio and stuff. So when it comes time to play a solo, it's like, what? You want to <laughs> you wanna do another one? <laughs> the money flying out the window? You could punch in and fix, like, if you made a terrible mistake, right. you could punch in and fix it. You know, it's not like you couldn't punch in, but, you know, punching in back then was, okay, let's sit here and wait for the tape to rewind and, and then go to your spot. And the engineer, you've got to push. When I say now, you press the button, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it compared so to different. now what it is with digital recording and you've got auto punch in and you just go to the measure you want to go to a measure before you're going to start playing. And it's so that's, fucking easy. Right there has changed us as musicians. Yeah. In the recording sense, because back then, you were there because you were probably one take, two take kind of guy. Yeah. Now you, you don't have, have to, to be. be that at all. Well, the way I look at it is it's still one take. It's just a lot of one takes. <laughs> <laughs> that's different. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's really it's good. Not like, it's not like you play a solo and punch in and punch in and punch in. You know what I'm saying? You play yeah. a solo from start to finish, and you can play as many as you like. Then you can come back in a few days and pick the one you like the most. That's... But it's still a one-take solo. It's not like you're sitting there and Oh, going, yeah, that's what you mean. But you can also... Damn near punch in every note if you Not want me. to. Not me. I can't. But no one can. One can, but That's it doesn't usually sound good. You know, you, yeah. you usually, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, but when I punch in, I never feel like my time is as good as when I've been playing for a while and I'm in the flow of the music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? I agree yeah. with That's, you. I mean, that's I'm really just, hard. To I'm do. just saying what digital. You could yeah. actually. You could. You could, punch you in, could yeah. actually play the chromatic scale on your instrument and go make a solo yeah you could yeah yeah, yeah it wouldn't sound good, right but, and no, you, you know potentially if if you were a good no composer or arranger a good computer guy uh, yeah <laughs> but it wouldn't sound like a guitar it wouldn't sound like a guitar like anybody could tell that you that that wasn't played 
you know, because of the fingering and the sounds and the string noises and all that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, I know that I comp enough solos together to know that there's some some stuff that you you can't get away with it if it doesn't sound natural. If it doesn't sound like you could really play it, I don't ever do it. Because I, I'll listen to a phrase and I go, even though those notes sound good together, there's no physical way to play that. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't do it. You know the, what I mean? You, Just you, I know you guys know the, the band Rage Against the Machine, the guitarist from that. He talked about, he's got some amazing guitar solos and, and also an audio slave he played in that band as mm-hmm. well. And he had a lot of amazing solos and I was kind of surprised to hear that he would record... 10, 15, a bunch of solos. And mm-hmm. then the engineer would cut those solos together. And basically, engineer was creating the solo. He trusted the engineer to do that? Yeah. yeah. That's weird. A lot of well, those... The engineer was probably the producer, too. Yeah, I'm sure he's a pretty involved part of the whole process. But it was just interesting. I was like, wow, that was such a badass solo. And he's using whammy bar and, I mean, whammy pedal and all this effect stuff. And that make really great for the song. And then afterwards, I was like, ah, oh, Wow, well, you know well, what? That's, so that's a whole what, different way to go about it. That's, that's yeah, what Jeff that's Beck cool. did in his electro, you know, what do you call that kind of music, electronica? Yeah, those records that David Torn produced. Yep. Jeff Beck just went into the studio and played a bunch of licks and riffs and stuff over uh, over a, a a groove or a loop. Yeah. And then David Torn just took all that stuff that he played and, and arranged it and put it all together with all the crazy instruments and electronic instruments and made the album. Yeah. So it's really more of a David Does Torn it? album than a Jeff Beck album, right. though Jeff Beck's the guitar player. Yeah. But it's not like a band. You know what I mean? It's not like what he's doing now where he's kind of back to playing with bands again and going into the studio and playing with a band like, like, yeah. like the old days. Yeah, yeah. Which I like better myself. I mean, I, that's yeah, my I favorite was, kind yeah. of uh, thing. Not that I'm against anything that's new and different, but I kind of like the idea of just a band, you know, bass and drums, yeah, <laughs> <sure>. guitar, <laughs> kind of yeah. old school, you know. I'm even yeah. older school. I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't like recording. You don't like yeah. it? I don't like it. I, don't, I, don't, I just want to play in the moment for people. Yeah, you are very I, much. Still, like that's that. you know that's what, really though? who I am. I mean, I'll record because you need to. Yeah, but you know what? But I think know, most people would agree but, with and, you. And, and there are times where I would love the ability. You know, if I had, like, for instance, Scott Chops with recording platform. You know, I'd love very much to sit and arrange some masterpiece record where I really took my time and had all these sounds, you know what I mean? And right. dedicated months and months and months to this soundscape that included my playing. Right. And, and, and I would love to do that. I mean, but really, you know, the time it would take to learn how to do that and to dedicate to it, I just, I'm just happier just playing. Well, so that, you know, that's where I'm, that's, so that's, why I've never done it, you know. I mean, not that I mean, God, the some of the greatest records are like Scott's record. You know, I just sit and marvel at how beautiful and how how well put together on top of how brilliant the playing is, and but, it's just great. But it's you know what? Great. I still feel the same as you. I'd rather just play yeah. and not deal with it because yeah. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass to record. Everybody knows it. Yeah, right. I think everybody feels that way, and nobody plays the same when they're in a studio than right. they do when they're in front of people. Nobody right. plays as good 
nobody play, you know, because you get the red light fever going, and you're yeah. like, oh shit, that's the a red huge light. thing, and, right? And you you that's have huge. to deliver for people in a different yeah. way, and you have to, yeah. and there's no turning back, and you you become more resourceful and more creative because you have to make whatever's happening go. You know, with recording, you just do another take, but. Yeah. The worst Live, thing I, there are no second takes. Yeah, and the worst thing I, I've noticed just with my own stuff is if you have an idea and you throw it down, usually that first take is always so... Even if you haven't got the, the recording right or it's not exactly how you want it to sound, the vibe is there. And to try and recreate that is always such a well, pain in the a, ass. Well, a lot of it is ghosts. Yeah. Because, you see, you play it and you remember... Now you've played it, yeah. And and on a gig, you never play the same tune twice. You move on. So you've played this tune, and you remember what was good about it, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. And so you're busy trying to recreate what you did like about it and avoid <laughs> what you didn't like about it. And that's a fucking weird way to make music. Yeah. So you're already in your head, right? You're already you've got the ghosts of the previous take. Yeah. So yeah, when you go to play, point. no wonder you lose you lose some of that magic because you're analyzing what you just did to try and make it better than what you just did, yeah. and and that's like a weird headspace to be in while making music. <laughs> I, I've yeah. even noticed that when you have to do two shows at a gig, right? But, you know, when they clear the house. And then you do a second set for a different audience because yep. you're playing the same show. Yeah, yeah. And then you're playing the song that you just played two hours ago <laughs> again. <laughs> and just two mind. hours ago. <laughs> and you go, okay, well, I've got to play it different. You don't realize that the people that are that listening to it, they haven't heard it no. yet. But you have. <laughs> you There's no way. And you don't want to fuck gonna, up where you fucked up the last yeah, time. Or you don't so. want to play it exactly the same way you just played it two hours ago. So you think, okay, i got to play it different. And then you fuck it up. I, I had one of those gigs. I had one of those gigs with Wilson Phillips in. Um, we played uh, Disney World there, and we would play the same show, the same set, three in a row, like thirty-minute sets. So we'd play. They rotate the audience out. You play it again, rotate the audience out, mm -hmm. and you, you would just have this deja vu moment yeah, throughout the whole is. set. It's deja vu, <laughs> and it would fuck it with you. It was in like a bad way. How many times have I played this song? Are we in the third rotation? The second? And I, I think I talked about this before on another podcast where I started. They played the song, and I was playing the song we just played. So they're all in E, and I'm playing the opening intro in F. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> You've never seen a bunch of Wilson Phillips ladies look at you so strange. <laughs> I'm just like, what? What? What am I doing wrong? It was painfully awkward. <laughs> Sweetheart, you know it's been a while. It's something that's been on my mind that I really need to express to you. I must tell you how I really feel. Oh, you are an angel. An angel sent from hell Your mouth like a sailor Your cheap cosmetic smell Darling
man that you nail It's been you It's been you that's trying to make me lose my For a living, and a lot of guys do it. I mean, we had Tim here and 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 Pete. Those guys are in the studio a lot. They they got it right? down, so haven't they? It's a different thing for them because the, for first of all, they're really used to it. Yeah, they're used to every time that they play, the tape recorder's running. So I imagine they don't have the kind of red light fever that I do. You know, because they're just right. every time they play, it's being taped, and they're used to it. And also, they do it for a living, so they're not playing always their own music. They're playing for other people, and I, I imagine you you just get used to that. If you if you, you know, for me, I don't do it all that often, so it takes me longer. 
Yeah. That's why I charge so much because it's not <laughs> like I'm just going to lay a first take solo down and go, here's your solo, give me my money. Right. I'm going to nitpick over it and I'm going to fix it. If there's mistakes, I'm going to fix it and I'm going to try to make the tone sound good because you know as an electric guitarist, the thing that kills me is that you can play the perfect phrase and ruin it because of the tone. You know, you yeah. can go, God, that phrase was really great and it, it's like... You know, people think that I'm really critical about my playing. I'm not so critical about the notes. I'm critical about the tone. You know, so even though I played a good phrase, there's like notes that squeak mm -hmm. and notes that like I, I hit too hard at plink. And then, no, you know what I mean? So yeah. sometimes I'd have to memorize. I remember what I played and then I record it again. You know, to just to make the tone really nice. Well, you, um, you're you know, so that you're known as a time. tone guy. Like Scott, when your name is mentioned, tone goes with it. I so, hope. Yeah, it ha it does. It definitely has. As, as long as I've known you as a player, tone has always been there. Because you know what you play and the kind of music and everything. You're a tone guy. When did you feel that kicked in in your career? The first time I went into the studio, and I heard how terrible my guitar sounds. But when did you when did you know that it was public? Like other people recognized you with tone. Oh, I have no idea. I don't. I don't oh, know. It's not, not something that's on my calendar. <laughs> you know? So, so your first just, experience in the studio, you went in, you heard yourself. What did you hear that just made you just well? I and wanted to well, you know, I mean. I grew up listening to guys who had really good tone, like, yeah. you know, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Hendrix. Right, but tone is also very stuff. subjective. It is, That's but the, still. But, so you heard your, I'm just asking you personally, you yeah. know, and subjective, very mm -hmm. subjective question. You heard yourself, you said, you know, and the, you, you heard something you really didn't like. Yeah, I said, that sounds like shit. Okay, what, can you describe the qualities of it and then how you went about fixing it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I totally That would be can. really cool for me to know. I would like to hear that. Well, yeah, it doesn't really pertain to clean guitar. I know, but I just distortion. want to hear. I just, I don't, I just tell yeah. me your story. Well, it, it was, it was a, first of all, the very first time I ever recorded, I was wearing headphones. Because that's what they told me to do. I didn't realize that I would probably get a, a better sound if I was in the control room listening to the monitors, that it would sound more natural. But I had this shitty set of headphones on. and So were you doing an overdub on a session that already existed? Uh, no, I was playing a live session. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and they had my amp in some other room, you right. know, or I, behind some partitions or something, like they usually do it. And, and, and the only thing I could, I couldn't hear my amp, the only thing I could hear was in my phones. And it sounded so horrible for me that I almost couldn't play. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, it just, it, it grated on me so bad that I really couldn't play at all. Right. I was just so frustrated. I said, this isn't what I sound like on stage. This is horrible. Right. Yeah. And then I and then then I heard it back in the studio over the studio monitors and still thought it sounded like shit. It was all thin, super thin, fuzzy, just gnarly, horrible frequencies that hurt my ears. You know, just basically sounded like shit. And of course it does, because I'm a guy that knows nothing about tone at this point. You know, all I know is to turn on my amp and put the mic up in the speaker and hope for the best. That's all I know. So it, it took a long time to, to realize that there's a 
big art to get in a good tone. And, and, and I don't think I, I think I struggle like every electric guitar player does and until I found, found something I like. In Which general, just last in year. general, like like you, like you, no, no, you said, okay, can we deconstruct mm. this a little bit, though? I mean, just from, I'm, I'm really interested in this. It is interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's very Okay, cool. so first thing you said was thin. Yeah. Okay, what did you do to make it fatter? What were the things you found that made it fatter? Well, one thing is having a decent amp. You know, because okay. I could that and that didn't come till later until I actually could afford a decent amp. I mean, I was playing through some kind of a little PV or something. It was a, just a shitty amp and incapable of getting a fat tone. Okay, okay. You know, so the amp so, amp you feel, you know, I mean, that's a biggie. Okay, yeah. big, anything yeah. else? Uh, well, you know, the way you you I was still using the pointy part of the pick, which sounds really thin. And didn't know how to use my fingers to play the strings, which is a much fatter sound. And I didn't know how to touch the guitar. I was probably picking way too hard. Were you? And, were you? you had know. you already switched to the Strat by that time? No, I was playing a Les Paul back then. Okay, and, so Les Paul's a yeah. much fatter in general guitar. Fatter in the mids, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not nearly as big sounding as a Strat because it doesn't have any bass. It's all mid-range, right. you know. It doesn't have the big low end a Stratocaster has, but but um, yeah, I got a decent amp, a Marshall, and and uh, you know, tried some Fenders and and tried different guitars, got better guitars, learned by actually used to set up my amp in the living room, and play my favorite guitar players on the stereo and see if I could dial in a tone that sounded similar to my favorite guitar players. Mm -hmm. And and that's how I started, you know, you know how you, you learn by mimicking, just the same way as you learn notes by mimicking great players. You also do the same thing with tone. You right. mimic and you figure out, well, why doesn't my guitar sound, why doesn't mine look like that? <laughs> why don't Homer? I sound like that? <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, and then and then you just sort of compare, and then finally you're you, you come to a point where you go, oh, okay, now it's starting to sound good. Maybe you have to turn some dials, pick the guitar in a different place on the string. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Was there? Was there? I mean, it might be a hard question because there's so many different things that can change your sound, but. Was there one thing that really made a bigger difference? It was like, oh, okay, well, damn, I should have done that in the first place. I or... think the way you pick the guitar is probably, you know, they say tone is in the fingers. It really is true. Right. Because, I mean, I could get some guy that doesn't know anything about tone to play on my exact rig, and it would sound like shit. And I've heard it many times. I've yep. heard some of my students say, okay, you want to play through my rig? And they come up and play through my rig, and it sounds like shit. And it's like... Then you have somebody good come and I remember when Kirk Fletcher came up and played on my rig one time at a jam and I was going, yeah, my rig sounds fucking great. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kirk was tearing it up, you know. Right. He knows how to make a guitar sound good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so of course it's about the player and the picking and the, the way you touch the instrument. That's the main thing. Yeah. And I think probably that's one of the things that I just didn't know how to do when yeah. I started. I was just all ham-fisted and... And, and that was really just really focusing on that and spending time with 
and how to fix that. Yeah, and spending time on gear, of course, like yep. everybody does. You know, uh, even even trumpet players and saxophone players. You know, they 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 learn embouchure. They learn how to they learn how to get a beautiful sound out of their horn. But they realize that every type of horn sounds a little bit different. So they try a con, and then they try a this, and they try a that, and then they find out the horn that fits their style the best and makes them the most happy to play, both tonally and, uh, um, um, what's the word, functionally. Right. And then they're happy, and then yeah. they, they develop a voice on that instrument with their own personal thing after they've done it for years. Yeah. And it's the same for guitar players or any instrument, really, even acoustic piano. Yeah. You take one electric, you know, take a Yamaha Grand and you put three different piano players on it and they get three completely different sounds out of the same piano. It's crazy. It is crazy, yeah, right? but it's true though, true. right? Oh, it's totally, I mean, yeah, they, the, the player is how they touch is, it. Is, is, is all what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, in a huge way. But okay, so, so that's kind of the thin fat. Then the next thing you said was fuzzy yeah okay well, you know yeah. but i mean okay now let's face it you do have a lot of distortion in your sound uh, anybody could think that that is fuzzy but you obviously are talking about something that goes beyond distortion right when you say fuzzy yeah please explain well that's more about probably putting the mic in the wrong place okay well, for the explain. sound that you have great well because if you put the mic in the cone of the speaker and you've got distortion, and you've got a pretty trebly sound, then all you're going to hear is fizz. Uh, right? So if you've got a really trebly sound, it's probably better to put the mic in the paper of the speaker, and then you won't hear all that fizziness. Now I put the... The way I do it now is I, I have a pretty dark sound, so I can put the mic... I, I can put the mic closer to the cone because I turn the tone way down on my guitar and my amp is fairly dark, so it doesn't sound fuzzy. So, so like, for instance, the tone knob, 1 to 10, right? Where's your tone knob in general? Sometimes down as far as 3. Okay. Wow. And then, like, uh, you have bass, treble, and mid on your amp or just bass yeah, and treble? Yeah, bass, treble, mid, and presence. Okay, and, and where are those usually? See, that really depends on your speaker cabinet, because your speaker cabinet, as you know, determines, you know, you would set those different, like, say, if you were playing through a 112 or a 412, right. they would be complete, like, like for me, I don't need much bass from the amp, hardly any, because I'm playing through a 412, which has tons of bass, right. you know, mid-range is usually somewhere around in the middle somewhere, treble is somewhere around the middle, presence is, depending on the room, presence gives you that kind of thing where it's really in your face or if it's more in the background you know and sometimes the room really plays a big part in that if the room is really boomy and ambient sometimes i turn the presence up more if the room is really yeah but doesn't the know, presence i mean like if it's boomy the presence just affects the highs right it also affects the it's those that's the, the upper frequency. Yeah, it know, is an upper frequency. Right, it's yeah. the upper frequency. Yeah. So the boominess would be coming more from the bottom end, wouldn't it? Well, what I mean is that if there's a lot of ambience in the room, like say usually what we talk about sometimes about how they put the subwoofers under the stage and all you can hear is low bass yeah. frequency yeah. and it's yeah. really hard to play over it, yeah. I would turn the presence up a little bit just okay. so that I could get... Some Above focus, all that, focus to the focus yeah. more a more focused sound. Okay, yeah, right, I and mean, that's right. what I use it for. Right, exactly, 
and and so that changes from room to room, I guess. You know. Cool. But, Thank you very yeah, much. But that's for that. that's it. when I'm curious. And after you telling sharing this with uh, on the show, how you use the pick on the side and not the tip, mm-hmm. I tried that, and since I've gone there, I haven't gone back to play with the the tip of the pick it's like a, a normal person. Yeah. It's like oh my god. It feels so un- terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I've been playing yeah. twenty five years like that, and I've gone the other way, and now the other way, the original way, feels so unnatural to me now. Yeah, which well, is really, when did you do that, and how did you discover that? Uh, Mike Landau told me. Does he play like that? 10 years like that ago, too? He told me that. Wow. Try the try the other side of the pick, and I was like, oh my god, that makes a huge difference. It almost sounds as fat as. Your finger. fingers, yeah, yeah, and in fact, sometimes it even sounds fatter than your fingers. Do you playing as long as you, you have with that side of the pick? Has it? Have you noticed any restrictions that gives you, or no. not at all? Not no, at all. I think it's pretty much the same. same right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, a just, better just tonal. Gives you a better tone. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Then, then also, if you've got. A sound like mine and guitars like my I play. Oftentimes, if you if you play like with your finger, your thumb, or you know, or the back end of the pick, you get so much lack of definition. Mm-hmm. It's too much, right? That, yeah. that, too that, much, that, right. That, that yeah. Like especially if you've got a, a lot of sounds you're playing with, like yep. a loud drummer, busy drummer, mm-hmm. a loud bass player, or horns and a piano, you know. And you try to play my guitar with the back end of the pick, a lot of times you just can't get. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're just like mud. It's just yeah. woof. Yeah. 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 It's just yeah. woof. So I mean, you know, yeah. again, it's like it, with a solid body guitar. Of course, that's not giving you a whole lot of acoustic air. No, no nothing. To deal with. It's like a so, boat paddle. So, compared right. To <laughs> right. Right. So, so you know, guitar. I mean, I think a big problem with a lot of jazz is instruments and and stuff is the sound is so dark that that would it, be it doesn't it doesn't have enough clarity yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you know i mean i love to play with my hands thumbs is the best sound hands is the best sound of all naturally by playing with a pick you get more consistency through the range yeah. you know right so you need a pick for that and then if but if you play from the back end of the pick sometimes you know i'll do it just like if i'm playing duo with a bass player and there's a lot okay. of room or if i'm playing solo right. but then a lot of times i just need the sound to jump out more so the point of the pick will give a little bit more presence yeah sure the sound. which which it does it, i was amazed how quickly I fell into it and it become the other way is so foreign to me now. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed how, how much it did change my tone. And I would, it's such a simple thing. I would never have thought of it. Yeah. You know, so Buc- cool. Bucky Pizzarelli always said, <laughs> do you know who Bucky Pizzarelli is? <laughs> I don't, huh? but I love his name. <laughs> <laughs> Bucky. Oh, Bucky. <laughs> he's a, well, he's a brilliant jazz guitar player. He's in his nineties. John Pizzarelli's father. Right. Uh, he's been playing for years. He always said that the tone knob for the guitar is your right hand. It was like the angle of the pick, the size of the pick, the where you hit it, the speed of which you picked. All these things were the tone knob of the guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you have the knobs, yeah. but really, if you deal with it there, you're always going to be closer to what you want. Yeah. And 
I really got to agree with them. You know, that, that it's a really great way to think, you know, just to start with like this. These are the, you know, speed, placement, angle, pressure. Those are all seriously, seriously big ingredients as to what sound you're going to get, regardless of before it even gets into the chord mm-hmm. to get to the amp. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, Django Reinhardt, you'd have never heard him if he didn't play close to the bridge like he did. That's the only way he could get his sound through all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, guys like Stephen Ray Vaughan played the side of his pick. You can hear it. He's he's raking those strings. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much surface edge Mm. to that. Do you think a a lot of players are aware of that like a lot of like say high profile players that are known for their sound or is it just more that's what they did and they didn't think of it i would suggest to you that that's what they do and then they figured it out after they did it right they're like oh yeah i did that they, they kind of yeah. do something until they get what they like and then they remember it and you physically do it i mean most guys i would guess i mean this is personally speaking i'll be asked about like well how do you get this sound mm. You know, I'll be asked that question in a lesson or a master class. And I'll sort of deconstruct it right there. And I'll realize how I get that sound. But I didn't realize how I got that sound until somebody asked me the question. And I had to tell them because I had the sound in my head and somehow my body just figured out a way to do it. Do it, yeah. And that's that's in my case. I'm different because I know how I get the sounds. That part I remember. What I don't remember is the technique. When someone okay. says, like, how do, you, how do you finger that? Or how do you pick that? I have no idea because I just did it naturally. Hmm. And I can deconstruct it too, but it might take me a minute. Right. You know, because I have to look and I have to say, okay, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> right, yeah. well, that's go, exactly okay. what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I can tell them, but I don't know myself because it's something that I just sort of happened into. Yeah. Where tone isn't really that happenstance it's sort of like you try different things and you keep turning knobs and every time you turn a knob you write it down and then the next day you come in and you try it and you go what was i smoking when i wrote that those settings down (laughs) that doesn't sound good you know and and yeah just i mean i guess it can change every day but but i mean as guitar players uh, across the board we are so elusively chasing tone and i guess for good reason because if you look at all the significant guitar players throughout history tone i mean there's guitar players that are probably as good as them somewhere in the world but tone was setting them apart and making them stand out what you said about guitars you could just say musicians yeah yeah true yeah, because musicians. I mean, you know, every, yeah, but don't you think guitar players a little bit more? We're no. a little bit more anal retentive than than other. No, we musicians. have we have more gear, but we're not more. Okay, more, put it, that's put it a good this point. way: there may be more factors in our tone than say a horn player. You know, because yeah. you know, there's a million pedals you could get in a million. We're gear amps junkies, and, besides yeah, Bruce. Sure, but but <laughs> y- you have to be if you're playing the 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 kind of style with distortion and 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 with a thin guitar, yeah, with a solid body guitar, then all that stuff comes into play. But you can make it very very simple. I mean, a guitar and a pedal and an amp, and you're done. Yeah, it's not like you have to have a ton of gear. 
Yeah. It's just basically guitar, and, and then you go through the There's cable. There's lots of guys who, who, who did that. A yeah. pedal and then an amp, and that's all. It's not, and, it's not much, really. And a lot of the times, we're all trying to copy that guy that's got that one pedal, and we've got 10 pedals. Well, when, because well, we don't know, know what we're doing. I tell you, know, when I record, I record with one pedal into the amp, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. You it's know, but I mean, simple. there's a guy like Tim Pierce who's, or, you know, or, you know, Pete, you know, they're called to do all these different sounds for all these. So that's part of their arsenal. That's I part mean, of their job. If, if I'm called to play a solo, it's because they want to hear my sound. Uh, with, the other one. Or is it? No, no the, the other, other one. one. <laughs> my, 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 they want my playing and my sound but my sound isn't like they're not expecting it to have various things ingredients in it you know and and so there's difference you know and for me personally god i you know i'm fighting just the amplifier now i don't even want that <laughs> you're really trying to get you just i just want to play organic and, because is you know to be honest with you no matter how much you can dial your tone in there's still a room. Hmm. There's still all, all these, these factors, factors. Yeah. of yeah. The, what other the, the other musicians and how they're amplified. The if there's a PA involved, there's just all these factors that make it just shit you got to deal with mm. to get your tone. So for me, like playing this resonator guitar, most of the time I'm playing it. It's like I don't need an amp, and I'm loving it. And I'm just to me, it's just I'm making the sound. And it feels so liberating. Yeah. Now, I know I can't do it because even when I'm playing the resonator, I generally need to somehow magnify that sound when I'm playing a bigger room that's not a particularly chamber-type setting. Yeah. And uh, But yet, I mean, I'm seeing in me this desire to be that, you know, that concert pianist who just plays the piano in a room... And there's mm. nothing. There's else. a wonderful simplicity to that. Yeah, and you know, it's liberating. When I came back off the tour and I and I made the statement, which is still, I, it's true, that I was amazed at how inconsistent my playing is. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons, is Fine. because one night I'm, told, I, my instrument sounds so good to me that I can't help but play my best. Yeah, and then sometimes my instrument sounds so like, rancid to my ears that I'm just not likely to play too many good things. But isn't that so you true? Know? When you when you uh, have that tone and it's just singing and you can't play a wrong note. You can't. You can't. You because even bass. your bad notes sound yeah, good. Yeah, they all sound good. But then <laughs> you have that tone that sounds, sounds like ass and nothing seems to be working mm -hmm. and you can't do anything right. And you're like, you want to give up. I, I think I've talked to keyboard players, electric keyboard players that have the same problem. Kinsey tells me. Really? Same problem. Yep. It's like, you know, one night you think that you just can't do any wrong and you're playing your ass off and the next night you can't put two good <laughs> notes together to save and you know, your life. And that's got to be, <laughs> that's got to come back to also just our ears, like as, as yeah. a, our bodies and everything, because I'm sure our ears well, pick up everything differently on if we've had enough sleep or well, our that's moods. that's a big part of it too, because, you know, when you're on the road, a lot of times you don't get nearly as much sleep as you should. Right. And a lot, you don't get to choose sometimes what you eat or when you eat it. And there's a lot of factors that can contribute to you having a good night or a bad night. That's why I don't take it so fucking seriously. Yeah. 
That's why I'm not doing heroin now and <laughs> and like I'm all dark and everything because I know that when I play bad, I'll have the chance to try to play good again the next night. So why get all fucked up over? Yeah. So so you know I'm not saying that it doesn't bug me when I have a bad night because it certainly does. But but I know. It's, I'm going to gonna keep be it in pissed check. off that night, and I'm going to probably be in a bad mood after the gig because I <laughs> suck. You know? And of course, the worse I play, that's when everybody comes up and tells me how great I sounded. <laughs> and, I'm just, and I have to go, thank you. And I just want to go, you don't know anything if you think I thought I sounded good. <laughs> but, but, you know, you get a chance to do it again. And that's the, you know, that's why you but I, stay I, I do think, I don't hear a lot of other, I don't know, it just maybe because I'm in guitar world, but it just seems like guitarists, we are so anal retentive about tone. And for good reason. We are. We are. But extremely. it's a hard instrument to make sound good. Oh, it is. It, it, it yeah. is. It is. Because, you know, God, listen to how many bad, awful sounding guitar players yeah and you know who you are no okay so you're talking about me you should not do that (laughs) i'm not talking about you i'm talking about electric players that have terrible tone and there's millions of them you know there are more than have good tone yeah many many more many more because they don't care about it enough to to really they don't care about it enough yeah know who i love tone wise who Derek trucks Oh, yeah, he's great tone, beautiful tone. Oh, my God, that yeah. guy just doesn't seem to do a thing. Yeah, well. he gets really nice tone. He's really good. But um, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. It's really good. A lot of good information there. I learned absolutely nothing. Um, Me neither. I didn't learn a fucking thing. <laughs> we, we got in some... all my years in the business, music business, <laughs> I've, I've learned one thing. What's that? Unfortunately, that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Thank you.